Hello, and welcome to Wayward Witch, a pagan podcast. My name is Miranda, and I'll be guiding you along this journey to explore non-denominational witchcraft for the modern practitioner every Tuesday. You can find us on your preferred podcast provider, or by following the links on Twitter at WayWitchCast, or on Facebook and Instagram at WayWitchPodcast. Feel free to reach out for questions, concerns, or even just a chit-chat, as I do love to hear from all of you. Let's walk this path together. Magical practices don't just vary depending on pantheon, religious affiliation, and cultural constructs. Different types of magic vary from one witch to another, and wildly so, I've found. They can be considered white magic, focusing on healing, protection, and abundance. Black magic, which focuses on vengeance, will manipulation, and removal of other energies, and sometimes people from your life. Or gray magic, melting the two polarities together to dance with the balance of chaos and creativity. Before even venturing in today's episode focusing on different types of magic, I do want to add that it is neither my job nor anyone else's to say what practices are good or bad, allowed or prohibited. None of us have the right to judge or prevent others from pursuing their preferred means of faith and magic, but all of us have the right to share information with one another, regardless of shared belief sets, just as we have the right to ignore any ideas that don't fit into our moral compasses. The only thing we should openly preach against and bring to a stop is the gatekeeping that tends to occur any time anyone speaks about the darker side of things. But I'll never get off of my soapbox if I just focus on that rant. Believe me. Therefore, if you choose to not take in information that speaks about hexes, or black magic as it's referred to, feel free to skip this episode, because it will be expanded upon. Let's move forward. The types of magic we'll be going over today will include candle, protection, and glamour magic. I fully understand that there are more types of magic available, but baby steps, yeah? Candle magic is one of those practices that I feel is most widely practiced by those spanning all sorts of traditions that embrace witchcraft. Whether it's using color-coordinated candles for a set spell or purpose, reading the flames for divination purposes, which, by the way, is known as pyromancy, making or purchasing infused and anointed candles for various intentions, and so forth. Many of us use candle magic in our practice to add a bit of a punch to all of our workings. You can carve runes, sigils, names, likenesses, affirmations, and so much more into the wax prior to lighting a candle to charge it with energy toward the final goal of whatever you're doing. You can rub the candle down with oils and herbs associated with your spells and rituals. I've embedded charms into my candles before, as well as tag locks and photographs printed on standard printer paper because, well, you only need to burn a photograph once indoors to realize that it will smoke up your entire space like no other, and I can't imagine that's good for you or anyone else in the home. Making your own candles could be a magical practice as well, and a pretty inexpensive hobby to take up, as far as hobbies go. You can infuse your creations with essential oils, herbs, spices, the works. And the candles you make yourself seem to have a better effect on your spells and rituals too. It's also a great way to share energy. For instance, let's say your friend Emily has asked you for help with healing from a per- from a pretty terrible heartbreak. 
you could utilize candle magic by creating her own candle filled with all of the corresponding items and ingredients and give emily the candle you created for her so that she could be blessed with the healing energy within the comfort of her home in her office wherever she burns the candle the one thing i will say though is that despite the videos you see on instagram and facebook using crayons to add color to your candles is a terrible idea either use leftover candle bits for your desired color wax dye color blocks natural coloring agents and so on be mindful of what you place in your candles since some things can be toxic when burned all in all do your research prior to dressing your candles and making your own it never hurts to consult the oracle that is google before crafting Protection magic consists of warding, shielding, banishing, grounding, reversals, and even hexes. One of the most common ways to incorporate protection magic into your practice is be by creating charms and amulets imbued with the kind of protection you or the intended individual needs, thus creating kind of a mobile spell. It's important to know, though, that any item charged with an intention or spell does need to be charged from time to time. Spell work isn't eternal. What I would personally suggest is if you're giving a charm or amulet to a person that needs long-term protection, is to provide them with the directions to keep a charge on the blessed item, if they're comfortable doing that work themselves. Sometimes it can be as easy as saying a prayer or anointing the item with moon water, blessed oils, or herbs and resins. Other times, the process can be intricate and time-consuming. It's all dependent on what the spell or, or ritual you're using to embed the items with the power of protection. Shielding is a way of protecting yourself from psychic, mental, or magical attacks. It's a way of creating an energy barrier around yourself that other people can't penetrate. What you're essentially doing when you shield yourself is enveloping your being with an energy, almost like a cocoon, to keep outside forces out of your personal energy field. When you're forming your energy shield, it's a good idea to visualize the surface of it as being reflective. This not only protects you from negative influences and energy, but it could also repel them back to the original center. Another way of looking at it is like the tinted windows of your car. It's just enough to let the sunlight and good things in, but keeps away all the negative. Shielding is an incredible tool for legitimate empaths who can be overwhelmed easily by the world around them as every living being's energy and emotion can, infect, can affect an empath deeply. This sort of constant effect on empaths isn't only overwhelming, but it can be pretty traumatic at times, which is why shielding, grounding, and centering often is crucial in the practice and daily lives of empaths. According to wicca.com, a ward is a shield anchored to a physical place. Instead of using your energy, though, you let Earth's energy flow upward to power it. With practice, you can create a stable, Earth-powered shield. This leaves more energy for spell work, or allows you to drop your own shields and recharge. Reinforce the, vis the visualization regularly, and it can be permanent to protect your circle or home. You could anchor wards with physical objects like a stone, carved runes, etc. But it is the visual visualization that really matters. 
If the mental image fails, the shield will fail, no matter how many runes you carve. I do want to touch up on hexes here for a minute, a little off of the cuff. Hexes can be seen as protective magic whenever you're doing things like banishing or forcibly removing somebody from your life by occult means. We see these as hexes because you're manipulating somebody else's will. If you don't have consent from somebody, that's usually frowned upon in a lot of, like, white witch communities. Um, and I understand why, I totally get it, but again, it's not my place to judge. Sometimes we don't have a right to tell other people that they should wait for karma, or wait for other powers that be, or sit down, be patient, and turn the other cheek, so to speak, if something traumatic is going on around them. A lot of the outreach that I do when talking about hexes are a lot of people that are coming out saying, hey, I'm being abused by my partner, I'm being abused by somebody else in my life, somebody has harmed myself, my children, somebody close to me, I need to get rid of them, they need to go. And we can really see that as very protective magic, and I have no problem with people using that means. So if you if you want to go ahead and look up all sorts of banishments and um, hexes, as it were, to remove people from your life that are causing you harm, I definitely would encourage you to do a little bit of research. I understand that it's a really sore subject with a lot of people in the pagan community, so I'm not going to expand on it too much in this episode, but I do plan to talk about it in depth later on this month, since it is spooky season. Moving forward... For the Return of Mythology Minute, we're turning to AztecCalendar.com for what may be the most well-known Aztec god known across all over the world, Quetzalcoatl. I want to apologize ahead of time for anyone who is familiar with or knows the Nahuatl language, as my pronunciations may be completely off-kilter. I did do my due diligence in trying to make notes of pronunciations, but I'm obviously not a native speaker. Please forgive me. According to their resources, the god Quetzalcoatl is the feathered serpent or precious twin. He is the god of intelligence and self-reflection, as well as a patron of priests. Quetzalcoatl is a primordial, which means existing at or from the beginning of time, god of creation and a giver of life. With his opposite, Tezcatlipoca, he created the world. Quetzalcoatl is also called a white Tezcatlipoca, to contrast him to the black Tezcatlipoca. As the Lord of the East, he is associated with the Morning Star. His twin brother, Zolat, was the Evening Star, or Venus. As the Morning Star, he was better known by the name Tlau Izcalpat Ikulti, Lord of the Star of the Dawn. Happy October, folks! I hope everyone is enjoying the beginning of a fun and festive spooky season while I personally suffer from the wonderful fall allergies. 
I know many of you have had your homes decorated since August or September and maybe even sometimes all the way back in 1995 in anticipation of this month and are preparing for the whole month of Halloween, so I'm sure you're all super excited. However, I do want to take this moment to also remind everyone listening in today that October is also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. While I'm not sponsored, nor do I advertise on my podcast, I would love anyone who's considering donating or fundraising for the cause to consider the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, which is the highest rated breast cancer organization in the U.S. If you choose to donate today, they'll match your donation two times over. For those listening in from the UK, please consider Cancer Research UK, which is the largest contributor to cancer research out of all the charities available from what I've gathered. Or, hey, donate to local hospitals, cancer units, families struggling to make ends meet while a loved one receives medical attention, whatever you choose. Every little bit makes a difference. And never forget, witchlings. Be kind. Be brave. Be unstoppable. I'll see you next time.